Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Jai Ho today marks the 15th anniversary of Slumdog Millionaire, which premiered on August 30th, 2008, beginning an underdog journey to win eight Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Director for Danny Boyle. I spoke to star Frida Pinto when she visited George Washington University in Washington, D.C. in 2015 to discuss her Sundance documentary Girl Rising in partnership with the Global India Fund. Thanks so much for joining us, Ray. Thank you so much. Before we get into this movie and you were narrating and all of that, um, talk about your experience with the, the, the more global one. How did you get involved in that? Right, so I think um, uh, Martha Adams, who's a creative director, and Richard E. Robbins, who is the director of the film, um, came to me much later after the film was done, and um, they asked me if I had it had voiced this really small but important part of the film and it was a call to action and um, they sent me a script and um, I took it home and I worked on it with my writer uh, Zoe Green and uh, I came back to them with kind of what they had sent me but had flourished it a little more and uh, they were quite surprised they were like oh we had no idea you would be you would take so much time to actually fix it and work on right. it and make it your own and I go I think that is the whole point of it especially when a cause like this is so important to you and I think the the thing that actually shocks everybody is that I hadn't even watched the film by this point in time and I said yes to doing it oh. and I think the reason why I didn't have to watch the film at first is because when you hear passionate spe- people speak about yeah. what they really want to achieve with a project, um, and when they've got like a great team behind them, you already know they're onto something really super. So you could sense it right away. Absolutely, I could sense it right away. And then I watched the film at the Sundance Film Festival and supported them with a screening. And um, and since then, I feel it was like a, it's been like a no turning back kind of a journey with them, yeah. uh, where I just realized this is. Um, I was already, and I am still working with Plan International. I'm one of their uh, ambassadors for um, the Because I'm a Girl initiative. And um, I think when you you bring the right teams together to kind of draw attention to a cause, um, you need to look at all aspects of it, the financial aspect of it, the political aspect of it, and one aspect which cannot be ignored is a creative aspect of it all, which is storytelling. And if you cannot get people to change behaviors and mindsets and attitudes, and it's almost going to be impossible for the political, financial, and the other sectors to make sense. The hearts and minds argument. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's very, very important. And I felt Girl Rising was lending itself to so much attitude, uh, behavioral change um, in terms of um, a campaign that I felt I had to be part of it. You said you jumped in and started making some changes to yeah. those hair. What, what kind of bossy, stuff? Did, very bossy. Yeah. <laughs> what What are some of the bossy things? No, we're just joking. But well, you know, what sort of things did you feel like you were altering? With? Um, from my travels with Plan, um, 
to countries like Ethiopia, Sierra Leone, Philippines, and India as well. Um, I mean, not traveling in India, I was in India. Right. Uh, I felt like the one thing we needed to make sure that came across in something like a call to action was the actual voice of the girls. Sure. And it didn't seem or sound like we were talking at them or right. that we were... Um, in any which way actually making them feel and sound like victims because really they're survivors who just don't have the means and the resources that you and I have and so I was making sure that they sounded like real fighters. Um, It's always so much more inspirational when you support a fighter, right? Someone who knows, okay, I don't have all of this right now but I could get it if you just gave me a little bit of support. So those were the changes, just making sure that it sounded like it was the voice of the girls and not me as Frida Pinto's support, just just giving them my my voice. Right, right. So that was your work on the, on the big project, mm-hmm. the original film that went that played at Sundance. Now, what's the idea with now? You're gonna kind of slice it off and focus on the Indian portion, and you're gonna make another one, right? Right. How do you take something big and then and then you know find your narrow slice? Actually, you know what? How do you take something big and then uh, put yourself in a bigger challenge? <laughs> <laughs> How do I make this harder for myself? Yeah. Um, so at Sundance, um, Holly Gordon, who's the president of Girl Rising and the exec producer, um, I walked up to her and I said, listen, this is all well and good. This is a great film. It's in English. But how do we make people across the world who don't speak the same language, who actually may not even relate to every story in this film, how do we make them come on board this Girl Rising um, campaign for change? And uh, I said, do you fancy the idea of taking it to India and translating it into Hindi? Yeah. You know, and doing the exact same thing that you did with the Hollywood actors to do it with Bollywood because it is the biggest industry um, in India and Hollywood does not figure when you think about how big <laughs> Bollywood is. Uh, and and um, um, Holly said that that was already part of their plans. Like they were already, they already had this in mind. Yeah. Um, so I Holly think... Holly said that. She yeah. didn't change her name to Bali, right? No, okay. she didn't. Oh, okay, she okay. didn't. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> she would have to now, now that this has become like a success in India. Okay, but yeah. Um, and, and she, <laughs> so she um, um, worked with me along with another lovely lady, Lauren Mitty, who was part of the project back then. And six months, oh no, six months, six months later, they asked me if I'd actually produce the Indian version of this project. Yeah. Um, and so... And you immediately said yes? I immediately said yes, because I'd already put in like six months of work trying yeah. to figure out what the strategy would be, meeting with the right partners, uh, the right parts, uh, pri- partners in the private sector as well. And so I just kind of felt this was it. You know, if I was going to do something for India and this, this would be my big give back, especially because it's done so much for me and continues yeah. to do so much for me. So I felt like this would be... Uh, along with the work that I'm doing with Plan, in terms of what I know best, Mm -hmm. which is my talents, my creativity, I would channel it into um, storytelling for change. Talk about sort of, you know, obviously acting and and all this, you know, but talk about what gets you up in the morning in terms of working on something like this versus shooting a a fiction film, which is always fun, obviously, and you make a great living at it and you're great at it. But talk about how this is something, getting up in the morning and knowing you're working on this is like a little more rewarding. Um, it's interesting because someone asked me about two months ago, how much of your life is Girl Rising and how much of it is your films and your career? And I said, 
at this point in time, uh, the lines have blurred and it's 50-50, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's it's kind of seeping into each other almost in a way, yeah. um, which is great, you know, because I need the films, I need that cachet in order for something like Girl Rising to also be popularized. Because we all yeah. know that when it comes to social change and subject matters that are a little more hard-hitting, people have a very tough life as is, you know, trying to just cope with the world right. and the changing by, times yeah. and technology and, and, you know, the rising prices, for example. And so I feel like with all of that, you need to be able to give them something that is inspirational. Right. And for in order to draw them to something that is inspirational, you need to have cachet. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, um, so, yes. They go hand in hand, yeah. Yeah, really. they go hand in hand. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of both ways, you know, as... The better I do at work, the better I can be with Girl Rising. And the better I do with Girl Rising, the, the work just becomes even more rewarding. Right. Yeah. Now, what specific challenges does India face for girls trying to rise in India as opposed to America, let's say? Um, yeah, I think the issues would be different. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be the exact same. And we are uh, steeped in a little more of a, um, a little more cultural barrier situation than that probably America is. Right. In terms of... Like what sorts of things? Like certain traditions mm-hmm. and certain um, um, ideas that are very deep set, right. um, like um, female feticide. You know, it is uh, it has been a growing problem in India, and believe it or not, a lot of people believe that this is a problem of the rural community. You know, of the community that is. Um, um, probably living at the poverty line or below. But actually, it's a big problem in urban cities as well because they're the ones who have access to technology uh, to to basically, you know, uh, to, to find out what the sex of the child is before right. he or she is born. Okay. Sex selection is actually... Um, uh, banned in India. You cannot you cannot find out the, the sex of your child before he or she is born. Um, and that is one way of tackling it. The other way of tackling it, which is long-term, is to give back value to the girl-child and make communities, parents, teachers, government leaders, and basically the entire country at large value the girl even before giving them the idea of you know, oh, by the way, you will not be able to determine the sex of the child right. and, 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 and carry out an abortion in case she's a girl. Right. Um, so I feel that is probably one of our biggest challenges and how, how, how we structure a campaign where it goes into every part of the society, not just rural but urban as well, to help them value and understand the value of a girl child and how actually important she is to the economy of the country and the GDP. Right. Um, and then maybe the other problems would be schooling, which is one of our um, um, focuses as well, uh, wherein there are these traditional ideas in India that after the age of um, 15, 16, once the girl attains puberty at probably 13, um, her body is actually getting ready for marriage Mm -hmm. and uh, pregnancy. And so it's very, very hard for families who have not seen the other side of it to believe that it will be, it is possible to let the girl be unmarried for as long as she yeah. wants to be so that she can go out and do what she really wants in life career-wise. And that can actually be beneficial. And to, that can yeah. be actually beneficial back yeah. to the family mm-hmm. because it's a proven fact that girls who yeah. work and earn money invest right back into their family. Then the biggest problem of, of it all would be poverty mm-hmm. because there are fathers and parents in India who don't want their children, girls, to be married at the age of 13 and, and 18 or whatever the young age might be. Yeah. Um, but the problem is that they have... Um, monetary issues, you know, they don't know how to comp- help the child, girl child, complete the education. 
Um, uh, and in some cases, um, uh, you know, the system, the dowry system also bogs them down quite a lot. So I feel this, it's kind of a web of very treacherous issues, but if we tackle it one by one, and also don't come in with the idea that, hey, we're going to save 1.2 billion, 1.3 billion people right now in India uh, and tackle every problem. I think if we can start with one right. and do it effectively, then we've really achieved something. Right, and then maybe it can domino from there. Absolutely, yeah. it's always a domino effect. I think if giving back value to the girl child is yeah. a priority because yeah. everything starts from there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. You're aware of the Malala story, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So we just, um, I guess it was just earlier this week we interviewed um, Davis Guggenheim about, mm-hmm. you know, he directed the movie, Oscar winning director. And um, he said that just through the experience, he, you know, he's making this movie about the importance of, you know, young girls' rights and childhood education. But then he went home and he's like, am, am I actually doing that in my own family? You know, if I have an important question, I sometimes ask my son what he thinks, but not necessarily his daughters. And he says, you know what, am I actually you know, practicing what I preach. And he had, he kind of had a, a look in the mirror type moment, which I thought was very great and honest of him to say, you know. So let's say, let's say a similar situation. Let's say there's a, a you know, a father in India and they, and they watch, watch what you guys are putting together. What sort of soul searching moments should they have in, in sort of in their own mirror, look in the mirror type thing, just in the home? Mm. Really, we hope that our film, and in this case, uh, Davis's film as well. Uh, I met Davis actually while he was filming the last part of, uh, the Malala documentary um, at the Nobel Peace Prize ceremony in, in yeah. Oslo last year. Wow. So we were at the same place, and uh, I was presenting Malala on stage that year, so I, could, I was seeing all this magic happen. Oh, you stage. presented her at the? At, not at the oh, okay. ceremony, at the concert. Oh, okay. Um, She's amazing. She is absolutely amazing. <laughs> so we really hope with stories like Hinemi Malala, with stories like Girl Rising, we hope that the takeaway, and this really is, you know, Davis is already, he asks a very important question, but he's already done it in yeah. a way. Putting the right amount of creativity in it without sounding like you are chastising a group of people right. or that you are talking down at them and, right. and preaching and telling them how to do it. Finding a creative way of putting it out there, we hope, will be enough to help open that first initial conversation about Am I doing the same question that David had? Davis had. Am I doing enough for my own family in terms of giving back value to the girl child, making sure that her dreams come true, and making sure that she's free to do what she, he or she wants? You know, not just girl in this case, child. I yeah. think I would say. Um, so I feel like that itself is enough. 
Because it all starts there in, in how people treat their individual family and Absolutely. their own daughters. Yeah. Absolutely. And which is why we do start with families as well. You know, I think it's all well and good to talk about educating the girl child, but what about educating parents who haven't had the opportunity to, full, to get a full and complete education? Yeah. You know, they might have, because they've missed out on such an important part of their own childhood, because back in the day, no one right. thought that it was important for right. them to actually be educated, they might, they will might just end up continuing the same with the Passed down, yeah, we become our parents, really, and, yeah. And that becomes, yeah, and as much as, you know, you know this as well. I mean, right. we're walking into my 31st year now, very soon, and hey, I feel... Hey, me too. Yeah. I'm yeah. on the 16th. When are you? I'm on the 18th. Really? Are you serious? Whoa! Yes. <laughs> well, happy almost early birthday. That's happy awesome. Happy early birthday We're both turning 31, like, two days apart. <laughs> so you respect say, your elder by two days. <laughs> Respect, respect. Yeah. Um, no, I, I feel like as much as we say, uh, oh yeah, I don't want to do that the way my the way my mom did it. I don't want to be my dad. I don't want to be my mother. Irrespective, you yeah. end up emulating right. their ways. As much as we fight it. So yeah, exactly. So I feel it's so important for parents to also be part of this whole education conversation, so that they can be great role models for their own children, and vice versa. You know, children can be great role models for their parents. No, it's it's absolutely true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. This is great. This yeah, is no. great. I feel it's so important to get why... I think the importance of this interview is just simply this. Um, I am not doing anything that is rocket science. Right. You know, it is really... I'm basically stating the obvious over and over again. Um, but the reason why we do it is because it seems like historically progress has only happened when people have repeated. You know, the, yeah. the art of repetition literally yeah, yeah. has has led to success. And so that's the only reason why we go around saying this over and over again like a broken record, not because we want to bore people. It might get boring after a while. But, we just um, need to hammer it into their brains. Yeah, and we just want people to wake up and go, you know, we are what, we're in 2015. Um, the UN just launched a sustainable development goals with this hope of yeah. reduce, further reducing poverty by 2030, making sure that girls, all girls, 62 million girls are in school by the end of 2030, and that is not going to happen if you yeah, don't yeah. repeat this over and over again. You know, 15 years will just pass us by, and I'll be 45 years old before I know it, and still saying the same thing in case if other people, if people who are listening to this actually right. don't start helping out. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And what is, um, I know tomorrow there's there's a... a, a big gala. A, uh, yeah, there's a huge gala, but there's a, a guy, a cappella group that is coming yeah. with a bunch of gentlemen and someone like Davis or someone like myself. What is the role that we guys can play in this? So that oh people God, don't people. say, this, this is just a girl's, you know what I mean? Just a girl's issue. Why is this, an, you know, this is an issue for all of us. Mm -hmm. Talk about the collectiveness of that. I definitely think the issue is not a girl issue, which is why yeah. I also changed it's it to child. Issue, yeah. it's, a, it's a very human issue. Um, because what affects girls eventually will affect boys as well. If we believe, and I don't like saying this, but if the common belief is that girls are future mothers, you know, and I think girls should be allowed to choose whether they want to be future right. mothers or not. But if the common belief is that girls are future mothers, and the truth is most of them do turn to be future mothers, imagine the impact they will have or not have on their boys if yeah. they are not educated. Exactly. You know, imagine the, ki the kind of progress that we want to make towards... Uh, um, you know, a, a growing economy in a country or towards, let's mm -hmm. say, uh, equal opportunity cannot happen if only women are fighting this fight. And it's kind of counterproductive. Yeah. Also, it is very polarizing. Yeah. You know, and which is why we hope Davis and Jason and, <laughs> and all these amazing, Joe Biden, right. we need a vice president, we need like, we right. need all these, we need all these amazing men mm -hmm. to continue standing 
tool for us encouraging other men. You know, I think it was uh, at the global concert, uh, citizen, con citizen concert that happened in New York when Vice President Joe Biden uh, took, took the stage. There was an overwhelming response from men who also could see that this is not just a woman's fight, you know, because you right. had Beyonce on stage and you had right. the First Lady on stage and then you had other women like Kerry Washington and Olivia Wilde on stage. Right. And then you also had the men. Yeah. And I think that really makes a difference. The lack of good uh, male role models can be very detrimental to this fight. Yeah, no, yeah. it's absolutely true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. And I'm glad we got that part in there because yeah. it's really, it's something that all of us have to be invested mm -hmm. in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely not just gender specific. Um, yeah, so I think unless there's anything else you want to say, um, I, I, well, actually, I mean, it's while we have you here, I know Danny Boyle's new movie's coming out, yes. Steve Jobs, so, so it's kind of timely. Um, yeah. Talk about what makes him so great, because he worked with him with Slumdog, obviously. Well, but what, what's, what's his biggest strength? I think his biggest strength is fearlessness. I don't think... That man fears anything when he makes a movie. He will go to any, and I think it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to say, I will take this risk and take ownership uh, for this risk that I'm taking as well. Yeah. And so he goes right into it. There is no fear of, oh, how are people gonna take it? And I think that's how creativity can really be um, nurtured amongst you know, young girls and boys as well. Teach them to make a fearless decision, which is if you want to do, go out and do, look at this. I'm like literally staring at this. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. If they want to believe that anything is possible, then they should be it's allowed. It's the elephant in the room. I you can't know. see it. There's an elephant on the thing. Yes, yeah. that is true. The elephant in the sky, yes. actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're actually advertising for this brand, so I'm going to close this. Yeah. But, but I think, yes, I feel um, Danny has never, has, never, has never had any apprehensions of taking on very, very controversial subject matters or a subject matter that um, is may not be very controversial, but giving it that very edgy route by just going into it and, and pushing himself over the, over the cliff to see how, how far he can go. Well, you're demonstrating similar fearlessness here, so we appreciate it. Well, I'm going to learn from the best. He was my first teacher, and, um, well, his lessons will always be... He was your first... He's my first director. How, how, did that, how did that experience in Slumdog just totally change your life and allow you to do stuff like this now? Well, the thing is, when I did Slumdog, I was completely clueless about what was happening. And um, I was just all of... But 22 years old, uh, someone just said that this is there's this film that you know you're going to audition for, and I didn't even know it was a Danny Boyle film. Right. And I go in there, and then within a matter of a year, my entire life had changed. Yeah. Um, but then I had two things that I could do then: either enjoy whatever was happening, right. or yeah. learn about everything that was happening in that point in time. If I really wanted to strike while the iron's hot, and learn about what I can do and what I cannot do, and it's not like I haven't. It's not like I came in with like the 100% uh, confidence, you know. I had to right. build my confidence from there um, to be who where I am today. And today I'm like super yeah. confident, so which is why I feel every little experience on that first film um, will be the greatest, most fantastic learning experience. And every other film is important, but nothing will be a compare what Slumdog did for me. Yeah. Well, it's opened up all these great possibilities. Yes. So we really appreciate you. Thanks so much for taking the time. For Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.